No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart, that you'd Reveal your word to me today in a, in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it, and so I can do it, and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So church, you are the center of the universe, and in week four of the series, and it's actually building up to the end of the series, but today the sermon is entitled, We Are Never Alone. Tell the person next to you and say, we're never alone. Now, my family is watching this um, one series that I'm really not that interested. They, they tell me I am interested, but I'm really not that interested. It's called Stranger Things. They've even got the shirt, some of them, and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, in Stranger Things, I don't, know, I don't know the story. All I know is I see these things come out. And then, and then people get possessed and all of that. And in Stranger Things, you're never alone. And, uh, but you're never alone. Is, the fact that you're not alone is actually a bad thing because that thing is going to suck your insides out and turn you into another world and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's really, it's really terrible. You know what I'm saying? But I want to tell you that um, Stranger Things is a fantasy on Netflix. And I think it's because of Stranger Things that their share price is going down. People are leaving Netflix, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. And um, I think it's because of Stranger Things, you know what I'm saying? Um, other than the fact that there's a, a new series coming out where there's a, a person with a beard that's pregnant, you know what I'm saying? And uh, um, I, I think that's also why the share price is going down. I don't think too many people want to see pregnant men or, you know, men that have periods and, and all sorts of stuff like that, amen? Or, or women that can make other women pregnant and like it's happening in a jail. I don't know if you've seen in America... But in America right now, there's a, a you know trans a trans a woman you know trans woman uh, went into prison and has made woman in the prison pregnant. So the, these women only prisons, then the women are falling pregnant, and now now what's going to happen to those children? I don't know because you know if your mother gives birth in in the prison, you the, the, you 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 get taken away from the mother, and and that's the world we live in. Now, last week we spoke about the fact that you were looking for a dead body, but you found a live king. And I want to tell you that without that live king, without the Lord Jesus Christ, the world is crazy, the world is messed up, and the world cannot be fixed up without Jesus. Your life cannot be fixed up without Jesus. I, I want you to realize South Africa cannot be fixed up without Jesus. And we can come into church and we can sing our songs and many people sing their songs in the church pretending everything's okay and it's not okay. You see, Stranger Things has got some reality to it even though I don't actually know the story. Because normally I'm watching other stuff, political stuff and all sorts of things. Johnny Depp, I've been watching the Johnny Depp trial. It's the best Johnny Depp movie I've ever seen, you know what I'm saying? 
best Johnny Depp movie I've ever seen. And you should have seen him under cross-examination. My goodness gracious me. My goodness gracious me. Eventually he says a statement and he looks at the lawyer from Amber Heard and he says, hearsay. The lawyer goes, yes, I'm learning. You know what I'm saying? So that's quite incredible. But um, last week, after looking at the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, in a messed up world, a world that even then was messed up, we, we looked at Romans chapter 10, and in verse 19 it says, Again I ask that Israel not understand. First Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And he was talking there about the Gentiles. He was talking about the Gentile church. Now, any person who is part of the Hebrew nation today, they can become a part of the kingdom of God they can become a part of the new covenant. They're not excluded. But they have to receive Jesus to be part of the new covenant just like any other person. But the rest of us that were not born from the bloodline of Abraham, we can be grafted into the bloodline of Abraham from a spiritual perspective through Jesus. And what we learned from that is that God will make somebody's jealous by what he gives to nobody's. You know, you might think that you're a nobody, but if God is on your side and if God is working through your life, He will make the somebodies jealous of you. And why, why is that? Because if you have a faith in Jesus, your problem of guilt is dealt with. We're going to be looking at this a little bit more today, but in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to flesh but according to the Spirit. And then, when you look at that verse, if that verse comes alive for you, you've got to get the place of understanding whereby you realize that it's time to see yourself as God sees you. You've got to see yourself through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to realize something. If you don't see yourself as God sees you through the Lord Jesus Christ, and the New Testament actually says that if your faith is in Jesus, if you've made Him the Lord of your life, then as Jesus goes in the world, so are you. But if you don't believe that, if your faith isn't there, then Numbers 13, when the spies came back and they said this, the spies, you know, they'd been sent into the promised land by Moses. And they came back and they spoke about all of this, these giants being there. And that there's no ways that we can overcome those giants. And they said this, we seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes. And we looked the same to them. You will actually see yourself as nothing. And you will put that view that you have of yourself onto the minds of other people. But I want you to realize that the biggest lie of the enemy is that you're alone. But when we're in Christ, we're never alone. And in Romans chapter 11, I want to read to you from verse 1 to verse 10. I want you to listen very carefully to what this says because we're going to talk a little bit about this today. And it says this, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, 
Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn, torn down your altars. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no. I have 7,000 others <clears throat> who have never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today. For a few, a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, His undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the, the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, He has shut their eyes so that they do not see, and closed their ears so that they do not hear. Likewise, David said, Let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble, and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so that they cannot see, and let their backs be bent forever. These verses are not often preached in the church today. And I want you to realize what Paul says is that if you go back, and, and I'm just going to sort of paraphrase a bit now, but if you go back to what Jesus said, Jesus told us unequivocally on more than one occasion that it is our responsibility as human beings to ensure that we are not deceived. Jesus on multiple occasions said to people, make sure that you are not deceived. He said false prophets are going to come. Make sure that you are not deceived. And what the Apostle Paul's talking about is that if you allow yourself to be deceived, then God is going to make sure that you are deceived good and proper. Just because you think you have it all together doesn't mean that you are right. Just because you think that you know the truth doesn't mean that you're not deceived. I want you to think about a place where Christians today are deceived more than any other. And that is the word blessed and what it means to be blessed and what the blessing of God actually means. And you know why they deceive? Because they don't actually read the words of Jesus in terms of what he defined blessing as being. Many Christians believe the biggest lie when it comes to blessing. I want to tell you the biggest lies are, first of all, that blessing equals money. That if you got a lot of money, you're blessed. Let me tell you, I know a lot of people with a lot of money. I know people with a stinking load of money. I know people that have got so much money that they could never spend it. If they try to spend all their money every day of their lives, they'd still never be able to spend all their money. And yet they're not blessed. How do I know they're not blessed? Because sometimes the richest people in the world commit suicide. I'm just looking this last week, Prince Harry. He was interviewed on TV. Imagine if you just had the opportunity to be interviewed on TV, watched by millions upon millions of people. Just how blessed you would feel just being interviewed on TV. Well, he's interviewed on TV all the time. And guess what? All he said was how messed his family is. In fact, many people were in, in the UK, the United Kingdom, were upset with him. And he has all the money in the world. He has his own private jets. 
He hates his father, but his father pays his salary. Prince Harry is an unhappy sounding guy when I listen to him. If money was blessing, Prince Harry would be blessed. He doesn't look blessed to me. If you think blessing equals money, it's a lie. If you think blessing equals happiness, it is a lie. Your happiness is determined by your circumstances. If your circumstances go wrong, your happiness goes. You know that your happiness can go and you can still be one of the most blessed people on the face of the planet. Many people think that blessing is when you feel blessed. But blessing is not emotion. And blessing is most certainly not pleasure. You know, many people, many Christians say they're blessed when actually what they're experiencing is pleasure. And if you're listening to people, if you're listening to YouTube videos or TV programs or whatever, listening to what blessing is, then you're believing a lie. And that's just one of the many lies that you can believe today. What does the world say? The world says you need to look like you're blessed. So in order to look like you're blessed, you've got to hide your problems and you've got to pretend to be happy when you're not. Even in the church, you go to people and often you say to them, how are you? And they say, I'm blessed, my brother. I'm so blessed, my brother. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Meantime, the person was, tra- was thinking of committing suicide last night. You see, we've got this facade of blessing that we're so, we're so busy trying to trying to push this facade that we lie to people. Now, please, I'm not asking you to come to church and say, how are you? Oh, no, it's so terrible. You know, some people say, oh, no, it's so terrible, and it's all a facade. Some people tell you how terrible their life is, and when you listen to their life, you can take them to 100,000 people that you know that are far worse off than them. But the world says... Hide your problems and pretend like you're blessed. But you know, when we do this, we're only deceiving ourselves. So thinking about all of this deception, how do you protect yourself from deception? The only antidote to deception is the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to know the Bible. The Bible's got to be on the inside of you, that it's inside of your soul, that when you hear anything that is not in alignment with the Bible, you know instantly, wait a second, this doesn't line up. Please understand, Christian, you are the center of the universe, and I'm telling you, you're the center of the universe because the Bible tells you so. And I say this also because it says this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 to 28, all of you together are Christ's body. So everyone here together, everyone is a part of the active church. Everyone is a part of every church that is meeting on the Sunday. Together, we're a part of, of, of Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. You individually, when you're meeting together, you're a part of Christ's body. When you're part of the fellowship, you individually are a part of the body of Jesus. You are Jesus on the earth. That's actually what he's saying. And then verse 28 says, Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First of all, apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles. Then those who have the gift of healing. And then the one that we all want, those who help others. You realize that the ability to help others is a gift. Oh, no, no, never. 
I want to separate the sea and put it into two. No, 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 no. Your gift is to help others. I don't think that's good enough for me. Okay? I don't hear too many Christians talking about their gift as being the gift to help others. More often than not, it's people who aren't Christians that are, you know, they want to look like they're helping others. And then those who have the gift of leadership and those who speak in unknown languages. All of us together are Christ's body. We have different giftings. There's different things that we're good at. But together we form a whole body. And here's the thing about a body. Every part is needed in the church. Everyone is needed. But the other thing about this is we're better together. I want to tell you when we come together and we can really trust one another, we are all better. Every one of us is better. We are the body of Jesus on the earth. And all of the people around us that are in the world are watching us in order to get to know Jesus. People in your world are watching you to find out who Jesus is. Whether you like it or not, they know you go to church. They know you're a Christian. They're watching you to know Jesus. The spiritual realm is waiting and watching us to see what Jesus is doing on earth. You know, even the devil is watching us to see what Jesus is doing on the earth. But the culture of the world is totally against the gospel. The culture of the world is totally against Jesus and his church. And because of this, sometimes we can feel like we're alone in serving God. But when you feel like you're alone in serving God, then just like he said to Elijah, just like like. Like the Lord said to Elijah, you're not alone. There are many others. In Romans 11, 3 and 4, it says, Lord, this is what Elijah says to God. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? Do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. I have 7,000 others who've never bowed down to Baal. And think about Elijah. He's just run away from Jezebel. We looked at this a little while ago. And, and, and he's run away because she threatened to kill him. And now he's feeling really sorry for himself. And sometimes we can feel really sorry for, himself, for ourselves. And, and he felt like he was the only prophet of God in the whole world. He felt like there was no other prophet in the world. And I want to tell you, your feelings will lie to you. Not only did he feel that they were trying to kill him, but they were trying to kill his faith as well. He thought his faith was going to end if he died, but the Lord gave him a message that said, no man, no devil, no demon can ever destroy the purposes of God on the earth. And, he, and God said to Elijah, you're not the only one. In fact, Elijah, there are 7,000 others. And later on, Jesus would be speaking to the disciples. And he, and he asked them, who do people say that I am? And, and they gave different answers. Teacher, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter steps forward and he says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered that on the words that Peter had just spoken, on that rock he would build his church, and that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The gates of hell, I want to say that again, will never prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we give the Lord the biggest shout of, of applause for that? Can we give Him the biggest shout of praise for that? right now. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the, here's the good news. Tell the person next to you, are you ready for some good news this morning? So if you're a part of the body of Christ, then the gates of hell will never prevail against you. Why do you want to be a part of the body of Jesus? Because then the gates of hell will never prevail against you. And what is the body of Jesus? It is the church. If you're not in the church, if you're not part of the church, if you're not plugged into the church, the gates of hell can prevail against you. Because the gates of hell will prevail against everything other than the church. But the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. And so when you're in the church, you are never alone when you're standing for the Lord. When we remain faithful, it is only by the grace of God, however. You need to listen to me on this. Don't get a big head about the fact that you're faithful. We're only faithful by the grace of God. In verse 5 of Romans 11, it says, It is the same today, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace. He is undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. Listen to me. I want you to really understand something. The, the, the closer you are to the world, the more judgmental you'll be. The closer you are to the world, the more you're going to think you're better than others. It's like this one story where um, these guys, they find this woman, she's caught in the act of adultery. And they come and they, they bring this woman in and they drag her in to the temple of the ever-living God, probably not even properly dressed. Because they caught her in bed and they throw her to the floor in the temple. And this is a story that the Bible tells of a woman who suffered a great, great public humiliation when she was caught red-handed in her sin. And the Pharisees, the guys who, who, who believed that they, they were the best of the best, they were the, the guys that were the godly of the godly. They brought this woman and they seized on this as an opportunity to use the whole situation against Jesus so that they could trap him and condemn him. And so they mercilessly took her and they threw her at his feet. And they told him in John chapter 8 verse 4 and 5, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? <laughs> Get out of this one, buddy boy. Think about it. These are the guys who are supposed to be close to God. And all they want to do is get Jesus. And they're willing to do that at the expense of a woman who's been caught in their sin. All of us have moments that we could be caught in. That would be humiliating. And during this time that the woman was lying there at the feet of Jesus in this humiliating position, she heard many voices the executioners, they wanted to condemn her and their eyes were filled with hatred. And they, they would have said, you know what? She's worthy of death. She has dishonored our beliefs and she's just like any other outsider. She should die. What do you say? And I can imagine that the woman would have tried to close her ears 
and try to avoid hearing their words, but their words persisted more, and they persisted more, and then the, the moment came when it ceased to be a matter, it ceased to matter to the woman, sorry, what these men were saying about her, because she began to place her attention on Jesus. And I want you to understand the reason why this picture is so important that we see in the story. Because this picture is a typical description of the woman, of the workings of the, 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 the spirit of evil. It's a spirit which is cruel. It's a spirit which is merciless and, and relentless. And it's irreverent to Almighty God. It doesn't care about God. That, that spirit just wants to get you. It's a spirit of the, the devil, and it is how the devil destroys lives. How he keeps people trapped in their sin, and he uses guilt. We spoke about it last week, and what happens is the guilt comes, and it comes to the minds of the people like a pack of wild dogs to begin devouring their flesh, seeking to make them feel wretched. If the devil can keep you focused on your sin, you will never escape your sin. If the devil can... Can, can keep you focused on your sin, eventually you won't have an answer for it. You'll call it an addiction. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger and he says to the accusers in verse 7 of John 8, let anyone who was without sin throw the first stone at her. I, I want you to listen very carefully to that. Because that differentiates Jesus from all the other religious guys at that time. Let the one who's not sinned cast the first stone. Yeah, yeah she sinned. No, she sinned. Yeah, she deserves to die. According to the law of Moses, she deserves to be stoned to death. But let the guy who hasn't sinned pick up the first stone. What these men meant for harm, the Lord changed for her good. Eventually it says the older ones first, they drop their stones and begin to walk away with their tails between their legs. And as it goes through, eventually the younger ones they, they all of a sudden realize the older guys are not here. What's going on? And then they remember what they did last night. They were watching porn. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yo, yo, okay. Maybe I also better drop the stone and just walk away. Be very careful. The, the world is incredibly, it's an incredibly judgmental place. And I, I want you to go listen. Go look at worldly TV stations, worldly radio stations. Go listen to worldly podcasts. Go listen to worldly music. Any, anywhere where, where, where the world speaks, where, where the words of the world come out, you hear judgment. You hear zero compassion. You hear, oh, we've caught them. Nail them. Go listen in politics. Go listen everywhere. What does Jesus say to this woman? He says to her, where are the men that, that condemn you? Is there no one here that condemns you? She says, no, Lord. And in verse 11, and Jesus said to her, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I want to ask you, do you have that attitude towards other people? Because the Bible tells us clearly we're supposed to be becoming like Jesus. No, I mean, don't say that demonic stuff, Kevin. No, it's not demonic. It's what, it's what the Bible says. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews is about becoming like Jesus. He saves us so we can become like Him. So here's the lesson. If we allow ourselves to be deceived, then we'll be deceived indeed. Romans 11 verse 7 and 8. What then? 
what the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. You know, if you think like the world thinks, and sometimes in the church, in the church we speak like the world speaks. If you think like the world thinks, you'll be deceived. Those who brought the woman to Jesus were deceived. They thought, they thought that they could get to God by their works. The apostle Paul wrote about the Israelites. He said, many in Israel had hardened hearts. And because their hearts were hard, the Lord gave them over to a spirit of stupor. In other words, the Lord gave them over to a spirit of stupidity. The Lord gave them over to a spirit that made them total idiots, that made them total fools. Woman's rights has gone out the window. Listen to the spirit of stupidity in the world today. Men are competing in boxing and MMA fights against women because they're transgender. They're putting men in women's prison because the man says, I'm transgender. And they're fighting for this as if it's such an awesome human right. Now, you just start listening for a second and you just start thinking logically for a second. It's stupid. What they're saying is stupid. If they really heard what they were saying, they would be so embarrassed. The men who brought the woman to Jesus had a spirit of stupidity. Firstly, when they brought this woman, the man was missing. How could she commit adultery alone? Secondly, they were sexist. They're nailing the woman, but the Bible, the, the, the Old Testament law said both had to be stoned to death. Both the man and the woman. Thirdly, they were bringing one to justice while letting the other go free. Oh, the world loves that, eh? You show me a country in the world where everyone is, is prosecuted equally. The ones who are in power get away with it. The opponents of those who are in power get nailed, even unfairly. They will twist the law to make their opponents guilty. And fourthly, they too had sinned. Maybe even their own sexual sin. Maybe the guy who was sleeping with her was one of the guys standing there with a the stone. How many times are we like that guy? We slept with this woman. Now they, they, they want to stone her to death for committing adultery, but you were sleeping with her. It's you she committed adultery with. And now you want to stone her too. How many times do we not see that in the world? It is our responsibility not to be deceived. I want to say that to you again. It is our responsibility not to be deceived. So how do we make sure we're not deceived? Well, to start off with, make sure our hearts are soft with humility. You need to be humble, which means you've got to be able to admit you're wrong. You've got to admit that there's many things in your life that cannot be fixed other than by Jesus. You've got to admit that. You've got to admit every single day when you get up, listen, I need Jesus. You've got to admit 
you're not so good as what your Instagram profile makes you look. You've got to come to God without those filters. We've got to make sure our hearts are soft with humility and we've got to make sure that we study the Bible. We have to make sure we study the Bible. I want you to think about the gift Jesus gave that woman. I really want you to think about that right now. I mean, she knew she was guilty. The whole of the city of God being Jerusalem knew she was guilty. She was exposed. She was totally humiliated. But you know, you think about the word humiliated and the word humiliated contains the word humble. You know that sometimes God will allow us to be humiliated so that he can get that word humble into us. When, we, when we're humiliated, we, we get the place where we realize we're, we're not as good as what we think we are. And until you get to that place, you won't recognize your need for Jesus. Until you get to that place, your life is not going to be one where you overcome sin. You'll be telling people you have an addiction. No, you need to be humble. You need to study the Word. And you need to do the things the Word tells you to do that you don't want to do. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to look at yourself standing before God. And I want you to think about right now where you stand with God with that please now no one moving it now no one moving it I, I want you to picture yourself standing before the cross right now if every detail of your life is exposed where do you stand before God right now What is there in your life that you know is a problem? I don't need to tell you it's a problem. The president of South Africa doesn't need to tell you it's a problem. Your family that live in your house with you don't need to tell you it's a problem. You lying in, the, in your bed in the early hours of this morning knew it's a problem. And the enemy has been using these, these tactics like a pack of wolves. And his words are persisting all the more, all the more. Look at you. Look at you. You're so guilty. Look at you. You can never recover from this. The blood of Jesus can never correct this. The Holy Spirit can never get you out of this. Look at you. You're worthy of death. You've dishonored your own beliefs. You've dishonored the beliefs of your church. You're just like any other outsider. Why do you even go to church? Why do you even bother to pray? Why do you even bother to read the Bible? The voice just keeps saying this. Just keeps saying the stuff. Why did you speak to that person that way? You call yourself a good Christian? Why did you do that? You know what Jesus says? 
Okay, if you spoke to them badly, just go and say sorry. Go make it up to them. And if they don't accept it, you'll be humiliated. But be willing to be humiliated in your attempt to make it right. Jesus gave his life for you so that you can be free of all condemnation. The throne of the Lord.